Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome one and all to Storybox, the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning, growth, and you want to improve your life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I am truly grateful that you have decided to listen in today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. everybody it's time to pivot and go don't go away actually stay here pivot back into into the the episode okay because you don't want to miss this one my friends welcome back to the storybox podcast my name is jay fandom if you don't already know and i'm your host i get to do this incredible show and speak to amazing people and unbox their incredible stories their habits you name it whatever makes them tick i try and uh, unbox that for you guys to help you ultimately realize your purpose and and your worth in society. And I hope that you guys have been enjoying uh, my last episodes. We've had some pretty incredible guests on uh, recently, such as Tony Robbins, Matthew McConaughey, Mark Manson, Dave Asprey, just to name a few of the ever popular names that are out there um, on the different podcast platforms that you can check out. And today, my friends, promises to be no different by me bringing you guys some very, very interesting and special guests to, so they can share their story with you. Uh, so today I have none other than the Pivot and Go Lifestyle Optimization Coach, David Nurse. Now, for those of you who don't know who David Nurse is, he is a genuine human being. He's very kind, very down to earth, and I was absolutely thrilled to have him on the show. But Bit, bit more about him. He is a NBA life and optimization coach, future best-selling author. I would say that he's a best-selling author, in my opinion, at least, and a worldwide motivational speaker. As a former professional basketball player, both internationally and domestic, and a coach for the Brooklyn Nets, David has personally helped over 150 NBA players with their personal and professional development, both on and off the court. He has been invited to speak in over 50 different countries on the topics of overall personal development, confidence building, leadership, and motivational growth. And David's new book, Pivot and Go, is a compelling hands-on blueprint to changing course and leading the life you want to live today. Now, David's book has been endorsed from some very high-profile people, I should say, such as Lewis Howes, the New York Times bestselling author, and host of the ever-popular and one of my favorite podcasts, The School of Greatness. 
Eric Spolstra, the two-time NBA champion and head coach of my favorite basketball team, the Miami Heat. And of course, John Gordon, the very famous and well-known best-selling author of so many different books that I highly encourage you guys to read. One of my favorites, The Energy Bus. You've got to read that book. It's highly, highly addictive. But anyway, guys, this episode promises to be incredible. There is so much wisdom and insight that David shares on this episode about leadership, about confidence building, and about your own development, how you can go from one area of your life to the next and not get stuck in the process, going from uh, one pivotal moment in your life to the next and how you can keep your perspective or change it the right kind of way, how you can better improve your life and level up. That is the most important part of living the kind of life right now is you weren't created by God to be stuck. You were created by him to move, to improve and to become better. You are unique, you are special and you are made with a purpose. If you don't know what your purpose is in life, please, please don't be afraid to reach out. My email is uh, all in my social medias. Just feel free to DM me too. More than happy to speak to you guys about finding purpose in one's life. This is a very important message and I hope that it really does uh, resonate with some of you today, if not all of you. I hope it does. But please share this one around to everyone that you know. Let them know of this incredible man and his story and his wisdom as well. I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it, so please share something uh, like in Apple Podcasts as, as a five-star rating and review. If it's not five stars, it's not five stars. I, I appreciate you guys nonetheless taking the time to leave me a review. It goes a long way in spreading this uh, incredible uh, community, so really do appreciate it. So everyone, you know what time it is. It is time to pivot and go into the story box and hear the incredible story of none other than David Nurse. Jay, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for that introduction. I'd like to hire you as my agent. <laughs> Done. Sign. Let's do the contract. <laughs> but dude, it's an honor to have you here. We've been trying to make this happen for quite some time now, but honored to have you here. Really am. Before we dive into your amazing backstory, and I have so many questions revolving around part of what I just said in the introduction, but this is a question I ask all my guests at the very start, and I'm very interested to hear your answer to it. What does success look like to you? It's a great question. I love that start. So success to me is my relationship with Jesus Christ that I put on a daily basis, my relationship with my wife pouring into her, those two things. I know if I pour my time into those two things every single day, that's a successful day to me. Success is not driven by any type of results, any type of monetary figure. Sure, I love competing. I really love competition. And that's where I get my drive out of, okay, if I got to hit this number or this number, but that's not where success is. Success to me is seeing these NBA players that I work with. One of my guys just signed a four-year, $74 million deal last night. Like that's success. Pouring into him so that he can have that type of on-court success or seeing people's lives change through reading the book. That's success to me. Absolutely 
serving others, giving to others and seeing them have benefits and gain, find this just optimization of joy and confidence in who they are. That's success. Mm, I love that, man. And I've got so many questions just coming from that answer. One I'll start with is when was the moment for you that you realized that all this that you just described was success for you? Has it been this gradual thing over time or was there a catalyst moment somewhere? Yeah. I mean, it was a whole journey that I was on. So I, I was basically living out of my car slash airplane, traveling all over doing basketball camps. And my thing was, okay, I'm going to hit 50 countries and then I've made it. This is what I've done. I'm going to make just this amount of money. I was going to make a million dollars was my goal. I had kind of, I'd made this number through doing basketball camps and like, if I do this many camps, I'll get to a million. Now I didn't, I didn't add in like expenses. I didn't think that far ahead. So I came up very short of that number, but I also found myself and I remember it. it uh, there's a story in the book where I'm sitting up on the top of this place called Kong mountain in Hong Kong. And I'm overlooking this beautiful view of the, the water, the mountains, the city. And I just felt empty. I was like, gosh, you know, I, I couldn't even name you all the countries that I've been to because I wasn't really enjoying it while I was in it. I just had this destination that I wanted to get to. And I had this number that I had to hit to actually be successful and happy. And I kind of realized there after about, I mean, 10 years in that it, it wasn't going to be the success that I had once thought. And I had to pivot my mindset of what true success is. Mm. I love your mindset of actually pivoting like the pivot and go mindset. I think it's very admirable and, and one that a lot of people need to adopt in their own life, but it is a hard mindset to actually adopt. It's not as easy as everyone sort of thinks. Um, I want to go back a little bit first before we, we go into that uh, and ask you, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, what did you envision yourself being? Yeah, no doubt. I, I envisioned myself being an NBA player. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I poured everything I had into playing in the NBA. And I'm from a small town, middle of nowhere, the cornfields of Iowa. And I'm not that athletic in NBA terms. And I'm not that tall. And I can't really jump. So basketball was probably not the best sport decision for me to make. But that's what I was going to be, man. I was going to be an NBA player. And I was going to pour into it every single day to get there. And we can fast forward. I grinded my way to play college basketball and I played internationally overseas. And it sounds really cool to say that I actually played in Adelaide, Australia. I have a, I love Australia, my favorite country, favorite people. Like we could talk Australian wheat bix as much as you want. Like, I love it. I love it down there. Got a You're lot of good friends. Yeah. So I was playing internationally and I was over in Spain, actually my third year playing. And I playing for the second division team is more like more of a joke of a league like that movie will ferrell semi-pro and they're more concerned about drinking beers at halftime than the actual are development and practice and here i am pouring these two a days extra film study in and i get cut from this team so not only are my hopes goals dreams everything i poured into my life taken away from me that would have been the easy part but they were turned upside down and my face rubbed in the dirt and so I came back and I was living in my parents' recliner chair for five months in Kansas City, just licking my wounds. And my mom would always say these motivational and inspirational quotes. And I would one in one ear, out the other ear, whatever, mom. But she said this one that really stuck with me. And I remember it vividly. She was doing dishes. I was sitting there kicked back in the recliner. She said, David, when one door closes, four open and an entire beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. 
And it triggered in me. That was my pivot moment when I realized everything that I had poured into my life was not lost. It wasn't all gone. It was to prepare me. It was to set me up to be a great NBA coach and be able to take everything that I taught myself now teach it to others who had more athletic ability and height than God-given talent. Mm. Did being cut from that team challenge your faith at all? Challenge my faith in, in Jesus? In Jesus, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I was actually, to be honest, I was a, a new believer at 23. So right out of college is when, and it's a, cra- it's a crazy, like people will think like, oh, religion. I, I'm, I don't even, it's not about religion. It's uh, Jesus came to abolish religion. So when people say that, they've got it backwards. And I used to think, you know, I can have my fun and then I'll, then I'll have Jesus later in my life because that's boring stuff. But I was in college, my last year, I was going to this, my my teammate invited me to this thing called Fuel. and just like this, this get together with people, just like real low key and chill. And they were like, they were, just smiles, excitement, all this great positive energy. And I literally came out of there thinking they were on drugs. Like I was like, they're on some crack, something. But I had to keep going back. I was like, whatever this is, I want to try this this drug out. And I kept going back and kept going back. And then I realized like, this is what actually living for Jesus is about. Like it's about truly like pouring into to others, not worrying about what comes of it for you, but just genuinely serving. So, I mean, he came to serve, not to be served. So yeah, when I got cut from that team in Spain, like it hurt. I mean, it hurt a lot and I licked my wounds for a while, but I didn't lose that faith. Like I knew that there's a greater plan for me and I didn't know when it was going to come. I didn't know how it was going to come or what package it was going to come in, but I did have the faith that I know there's a greater plan for me. And that's huge for for people right now to understand, like there's something great out there for you. You don't know when it's going to come, but if you prepare daily, like your opportunity is going to come tomorrow, you'll be ready for it when it does come. But if you feel bad for yourself and just sit there and just blame everything, everybody else for your situation or your circumstances, you only have one place to point is back at yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a freeing understanding too of like, we don't have to, it's not on our, all our shoulders. Like Jesus takes that from us. He's got the plan. We can just rest in that. The the rest is just house money we're living with here, man. Mm. I feel like when bad things sort of happen to us, we immediately want to blame God and say that it's his fault for bringing us to this point. But I always say that God brings us to exactly where we need to be. It may not be where we want to be, but it's exactly where we need to be. And because in my life, man, I've, I've walked away from him like, three times now. And, but in those three times that I did walk away, I was miserable first and foremost. I did question, I did blame, and I am ashamed of doing that because God brought me to a place of number one, repentance, number two, humility, and number three, realizing that I didn't need him more than anything else. So that was exactly what I needed was for me to realize that walking away from him was a big mistake and that I needed to really just get serious with my relationship with God, not with the religion side of things, but my relationship with my heavenly father, because that's the most meaningful thing and the most fulfilling thing Mm. ever. Like nothing is ever going to satisfy close to your walk with God. That's my advice to anyone that is listening. Honestly. I love that, man. That juices me up, gives me goosebumps. So proud of you being able to speak about that on air. Most people shy away from it, even when they believe. So 
Uh, love you for that, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate your testimony as well. Like being able to be authentically you and not shy away from, because it is very easy, especially in the kind of like job environment and speaking your truth, all this sort of stuff. It is very hard to sort of bring God into the mix as well. And I've noticed a very similar thing because there's so many different opinions, outlooks on life, but I think it's more important that we be true to ourself and true to God. And, and God even says, you know, blessed are they that are persecuted in my name sake. And I'd rather be persecuted in God's name than persecuted in somebody else's name where my own name, <laughs> like that's just the reality of it for me. And I know it's different for other people. Um, but dude, I'm curious for you. Um, is there a particular story in your life that God has sort of made himself known more than ever before? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. So I remember it vividly when I was in Brazil, I was doing some basketball camps down there and I'd been going all day, man, like literally all day I was exhausted. And when I go to another country, I like to embrace the food that they have. And Brazil has this just amazingly fresh acai. Like, if you think you've had acai before, you haven't until you've been to Brazil. So I was like, I got to get some acai. I got to. So the camp winded down. And now the, the people that brought me down there had some kids. And they wanted to play some kids basketball games. So they were going to do that. And I needed something to eat. So I had to get out of there. And the guy said, hey, you can, there's, a, there's an acai place. Go follow this guy. He'll take you there. So I just went and jumped in the car. I didn't tell my guys who were looking after me where I was going. I just, I mean, I just blindly trusted him. And this guy spoke no English and we're driving, we're winding. I can't even name you the city. It was south of Recife. So it was like two hours south of Recife, some just big, big old city. And we're going all over the place. I had no idea how I would get back. I mean, obviously, unless the guy brought me back. So he drops me off at the acai and I, I literally make it very clear. I was like, stay here, stay here, stay. I'm giving him the motions to just stay. I'll, I'll go get it and I'll be right back. And I hop out. He takes off and I'm a little confused. I'm thinking, okay, he's probably just going to park or he's going to go around the block, circle the block. He'll be back. So I got my acai and enjoyed it. And then about 15 minutes went by and I'm like, all right, where is this guy? I start walking around a little bit, looking for him. Another 15, an hour goes by. I'm going into grocery stores asking anybody if they can speak English. Nobody speaks English in Brazil. They don't. They speak Portuguese, not English. So I'm like, this is over. I don't know how to get back to where I'm at. I don't have a phone on me. Like, I don't know. The people that I came with don't even know where I'm at. So I literally sat down there in the corner, and I put my hands in my face and started crying and just as I literally said out loud, God, this is all you. I need you. And I kid you not, like three minutes later, this car pulls up and it was this guy that we had had lunch with the day before who spoke no English either. He saw me leave the gym and I had been talking about at lunch the day before how much I'd like acai. So he saw me leave the gym and then he didn't, I didn't come back for a while. So he got worried and came and found me at this acai place. It was an answered prayer from God right there. And I was like, wow, okay, this is the real deal. Damn, what a story. Yeah, I might still be living in Brazil right now. I mean, it might not be a bad you thing. But, you, know. <laughs> you, just never, you just never know, man. And, and um, I, I, I found that story like absolutely incredible. There's been many moments in my own life, man, that have been rather similar. 
And uh, one in particular, I'll just quickly share that I, in 2016, I walked away from God and I was kind of living my own life, sort of doing my own thing, having fun, you know, going beach hopping and all that sort of thing. I had the rip six pack, everything. Uh, I was driving home with my, my friends in the car and I don't know if you've been to Sydney, Australia, but the traffic is absolutely ludicrous. Um, and I was going, I was merging onto the, the highway, onto the M2 or something like that. And as I was merging, there was a concrete truck in the left-hand lane that was trying to merge into the right-hand lane. And I was trying to merge into the other right-hand lane to then get onto the, the freeway. There's three lanes. But I didn't see the, uh, the concrete divider between the three lanes. There were separating them and I, the truck didn't see me. I was in a small Holden Barina uh, and he almost took me out. I took evasive action and my car wheel went over the concrete divider, snapped the, uh, the wheel alignment, my steering wheel locked up and my car started going over to the right into traffic that is going the same direction. So I, I could have been taken out. Um, my, one of my good mates is in the back seat. He's fast asleep. And my other friend that is in the front seat, he's just like completely oblivious to what the heck's going on. And in that moment, the amazing thing happened. I could not move the steering wheel, couldn't move it. But then the car just went off to the side, to the left-hand side where it was safe. And I was like, I could not believe it. No one was hurt. Everyone was safe. We get to a safe spot. And I just like, literally, I wasn't shaking at all. I was at peace, like this insane calmness. And I'd never had an accident before in my life. That was a God moment. God took control mm -hmm. of the wheel, literally, and moved the car over. Like, you just... It's so amazing, man. You can't pick those kinds of moments, man. But you just know that it is God. He is real. And he takes care of his own. Like... Yeah. That's such a cool story, man. I got goosebumps over here. Seriously, that's amazing. <laughs> but the thing too is like, like the things that we don't even know that happened to us, God's protecting us from. We don't give them any credit for that. Like we have these amazing stories like that. And a lot of people might have those, but I mean, there's a lot of things going on out there that, that could happen to you, but he's protecting you from them. We don't even know. Mm, mm. And, that, and yet we, we oftentimes do the blame game and mm -hmm. he just continues to show up. It's faithful. It's love. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's honestly incredible. Um, I want to ask you about going back to more your story and like starting out and getting your, your full on start. Like what was the transition like for you going from a, from a player to then being a coach? Yeah. So I made my goal to coach in the NBA. Now I was going to do anything that to give myself the opportunity to do that. At the time, I didn't, didn't have any connections in the NBA. So I literally sat down, hand wrote a letter to every NBA GM, telling them something that I liked about their organization, something unique. And then I just, at the end of it, I said, if, if you need anything, if there's any way that I can serve you, just let me know. Like I wasn't asking, I wasn't saying, Hey, I'll come work hard if you give me a job. Like, no, I, I realized everybody else is going to do that too. So I went that extra mile and one GM got back to me. It was the GM of the Los Angeles Clippers at the time, Gary Sachs. And we had a good conversation. And basically he was like, you know, if you're ever out in LA, look me up, we'll grab coffee. Kind of like good luck with the rest of your life. 
But I took that as an invitation. So I booked a ticket to LA, used all the money I had, booked a ticket to LA to be out there the next week. And I studied up on his, on the Clippers. So we had some good talking points and me and Gary had a great conversation out there. And literally Gary's one of my closest friends. I lived with him when I moved to LA, he was one of the groomsmen in my wedding a year and a half ago. Like it all came from that and all my relationships in the NBA. Now I have a friend at basically every team, a coach or a player, all my relationships came from that connection. And it was, it was about not being afraid to hear the word no. And mm -hmm. we're so often we think things are just going to be handed to us like, all right, I'll just wait for it. And maybe it'll come, but doubtful. You got to go get it. Go get it. Take a risk. If the worst thing that would have happened to me is nobody would have got back to me, I would have been at the same spot. I would have pivoted and I would have tried a different angle, but I was never going to give up from it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was the way I got into the NBA and and I just like I'd been training some some of my teammates. Actually, the first guy was a, is an Aussie. He was a teammate of mine in Greece, Aaron Baines. He's no one of my way. best. Yeah, he was in my wedding too. He's one of my best friends, and now he plays for my uncle. He plays for my uncle now, who coaches the Toronto Raptors, which is crazy. But so I started training him, and he liked it. And other teammates came in, and agents got involved, and so. It just kind of compiles when you're really passionate about doing something and do it with a service mentality. Like mm -hmm. it, it takes a long time. Sure. Like people will ask me, Hey man, can I train some NBA players? Oh, it's I'm like, okay, well you go put in seven years of doing basketball camps for fifth graders and then you'll be ready. But nobody wants to take the long route with it. No, everyone's looking for the quick shortcuts and yeah. quick successes. I'm actually writing a book. At the moment, I've titled The Path of an Eagle. And in that book, I have an illustration of that very thing. Uh, two people, two totally different mindsets. The most, the majority of people, when they face a mountain, there's two paths to the mountain. The majority of people will take the easiest road to the top rather than the hard one. And I explain it a lot better in my book as well, but it's very, very true. Uh, no one wants to get the rejections. No one wants to suffer through that because it, it sucks. Um, mm -hmm. I'm curious, what advice would you give to a young person that is going through a lot of rejection and is trying to get his start? Yeah, it's really tough. It's tough to hear rejection time and time again, because we, we thrive off the momentum of hearing yeses and the thing that that drives us the most more than money when it's studied in companies is appreciation, that feeling of appreciation, like you matter. So rejection is very hard. But if you can have this mindset of looking as rejection, a setback rejection is actually a set up. It's mm -hmm. only sharpening you, preparing you, like we've been talking about for something greater to come, just like uh, a diamond, it becomes so sh much shinier, the more intense heat that it goes through. A palm tree out here in Los Angeles, I love palm trees. They grow deeper roots through mm -hmm. storms. So when a storm comes, a rejection comes, they actually come out of it stronger. So if you can look at these situations, which is tough in the moment, and there's some things, some tools that I teach about how to just stop, stop in the moment and pause, and then learn how to pivot from there. Like literally just take a step back out of yourself you can see these rejection points as these learning situations. It's what people would call failure, 
But the definition of failure to me is not just a way to learn and grow. It is ultimately the only way to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. Successes are great. This That's the momentum, little spark, little igniter. But the true learning, the true growth is when we hear these rejections. And now the, the ones that succeed are the ones that can take those rejections, soak them in, learn from them, and keep going. Don't ever put your head down. Don't ever give up. Just keep going. Now I'm even more curious. I have a question that I've only asked a few people on here, but I'm going to ask you, what would you rather, sink or swim? Would I rather sink or swim? Yes. I mean, I'm swimming. I don't, I don't want to sink. How come? I'm swimming. I'm fighting for my life all the time. So with that analogy that, I just, that you just mentioned of the failures, the setbacks, everything, what do you learn first when you're younger? Do you learn how to swim first or do you learn how to sink first? Ah, great call. Yeah. I mean, you learn how to swim. Natural inclination, if you put in the water, you're going to sink, but you're taught how to swim. Exactly. So the analogy or the metaphor, really, and thank you for clearing that up, <laughs> is really that everyone wants to swim because swimming is easy. Swimming is good. It means safety, security. But in order to get there, we've got to sink a little bit first. Yeah. And that's going to that's gonna teach us the progression. It's like I'm constantly swimming or just keep swimming, that sort of thing, constantly pushing for the top. Now, there's a difference between sinking and drowning. Drowning is I've given up. I'm done. Sinking, you haven't given up. There's still a fight in you. And un until you got to keep that mindset of it's okay to sink, it's okay to swim, but it's definitely not okay to drown. Mm. So I thought, I'd, I thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> I like that, man. I'm going to use that analogy. That's a powerful analogy. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Um, I, I use it in my book and I explain it a lot better in my book too. <laughs> but it's not about me. I book, apologize. Um, the book's going to be awesome. I can't wait for it to come out. You'll have to send me a copy. I will, man, 100%. But I want to sort of steer this conversation back to you. I apologize if I've gone off off heel. Um, but you're, you're now, you now teach a lot of NBA players and you help a lot of them um, with mindset and growth and everything like that. I'm curious, what do you think separates a good coach from a great coach, in your opinion? Actually, truly caring. The best coaches in the NBA are ones that truly, genuinely care about people outside of just the sports and the results that they're getting. Good coaches can get by by running their system and really smart and just the X's and O's. And that's the, uh, I mean, that's the Tom Thibodeau's and those kind, which uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mean to say like he's a bad coach, he's a really good coach, but there's coaches like my uncle or my friend Eric Spolstra or mm -hmm. Steve Kerr, Brad Stevens, who just genuinely really care about these Popovich, care about these guys off the court. And when players know that, they realize they're not just sure they know it's a business, but they're not just these robots and that they're actually, like we talked about earlier, appreciated. And when you appreciate your players, that's going to make you a great coach. And what has been the worst piece of advice that you've, you've ever received from someone? The worst piece of advice I've ever received from someone? Well, that's a really good question. 
Um, I would have to say, I mean, the worst piece of advice I would say is, is taking any advice from somebody who hasn't been there or done it before. That's a doubter or someone who even, even taking advice from your mom, who's trying to tell you, who's trying to keep you safe, who's trying to keep you comfortable. I'm not saying my mom did this necessarily, but people will take advice. They'll, they'll ask their parents for everything. Are your parents an expert in everything you're doing? No. Look to these people that have done it before. Take advice from them. Don't just take advice from anybody and their cousin saying stuff. I think it was uh, Grant Cardone said something very similar. He's like, I would never go to my mother for business advice. I would go to my mother for obviously relationship advice, love advice, all that sort of stuff. But for business, he's like, she's not the right person to go to if that is that she's not in business. Um, yeah. That was his example, which I think is, is pretty powerful. So I appreciate you sharing that, man. It's great advice. Um, a couple more questions for you, man, if you don't mind. By the way, I'm a huge fan of the Miami Heat. So Eric Spolster is a, a huge fan. I'm a huge fan anyway. <laughs> um, leadership and confidence. Now, what in your opinion makes a great leader? A great leader is someone who has the outlook that they don't want to lead forever. Great leaders want to lead others to lead others. So it's about giving, not about giving a man a fish, but teaching them how to fish and literally giving people tools for how to do it. Great leaders don't speak down on people. People, they, they, they lead together as a group. They have different people of different strengths and they lead together through that. So there's no, there's no down leadership, but it's all across the board equality. Mm. Is there a question that you have right now that you haven't been able to answer yet? Is there a question that I haven't been able to answer yet? Like in my personal life? Personal Thinking? life, business, whatever it is. Um, no, not really, to be honest. I mean, I struggle with the, the just doing, doing, doing and not being able to shut things off as much as I would like. Like I struggle with that part because part of being working for yourself and growing your own thing. And like, I'm on a mission. My, my mission is to inspire, encourage people with true ultimate joy, show them Jesus through doing it, basically be Tony Robbins mixed with John Maxwell leadership mixed with Tim Grover, Jordan and Kobe's trainer. So that's, that's the mission I'm on. And I, I mean, it gets frustrating times when I think I should be going here or there, there, and it's, there's setbacks. And I just have to remind myself of my own things that I teach people of the tools that I give them. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there'll, there'll be a question like, uh, talk to me in a couple of years when me and my wife have kids, I'll have a million questions. I don't know the answer to, and there's a lot of questions I don't know the answer to. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I know that, that God's going to work out this, this, plan that he has for me the way it's supposed to be mm. amen man i love it and i'm excited to see your growth and development as you are continuing to grow more and more every day i see something new which is pretty exciting from okay. from your point of view and and for those that are watching and and learning from you i think it's it's uh, very admirable dude so i appreciate you um a couple more questions uh this one Maybe a hard one to answer, but you have a podcast. So I want people to go and, and listen to that one. You recently had Dean Graziosi on, who's an alumni of the Storybox too. Um, right. Great, great individual, by the way. 
If you were to ask a question to anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Why? And what question would you ask them? Man, that's, I love that question. Is it kind of a cop out to say, I would love to ask Jesus a question? No, I would love to ask him. Okay. I would like, I really want to ask him how he had the pace of his life that he did. I call it Jesus pace. You know, he got so much done. He was doing so much, but he was never in a hurry. Any random stranger that came along, he gave him the time of day. He hung with him. Like, how how do you have that type of pace? Myself, if I have some random stranger come along, I'm like, nope, don't got time for you. It's not on my schedule. So, like, yeah, I want to figure out how to have that Jesus pace. Mm, that's a good question, man. I'm going to think about that <laughs> myself. Let me know if you know the answer. Yeah, I will. I probably won't. But anyway, maybe one day when I get to heaven and I'll ask him too. <laughs> but um, my, my second last question for you, this is more of a fun one. But what is the weirdest food combination you've ever had? Oh, you're asking a world traveler, right? I went to, when I was in Beijing, China, I went to the street where they had everything fried. So I don't know if I'll call it a combination, but I had starfish, cicada. I think donkey was in there. I'm not proud of it, man. There's frog legs. There was another kind of bug. I don't know. I was, yeah, it was, I was young and dumb and I would never do it again. So it's a weird combination. Uh, there's another one in, in the Philippines. When I was in the Philippines on my birthday, I asked them to make me a Filipino dish and it was so good. I had no idea what it was. And afterwards they told me, it was like, cow intestines and blood soup or something disgusting sounding oh mate (laughs) fear factor has nothing on me on the food that i've eaten man oh dude uh speaking about fear is there a, a fear right now that you have that you haven't been able to conquer no the only fear that i have is the safety of the ones that i love like my only fear is of my wife if something tragic would happen or my family like it's something that's completely out of my control but any fears that happen to me i don't really have any fears like that i don't have a fear of failure i don't like if it happens then i'm learning like i've talked about so not really not really personal fears just for the fears of the people i love i love it man my final question it's my all-time favorite question i ask everyone at the end i apologize if i've gone over time but I want you, it's a hypothetical one. So imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends have decided as a present to put together a film for you, the David Nurse film of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic and the dark web, the exoterical, you name it. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Very simple. He served. He genuinely served. I want it to be the theme of it, of pouring into others. He poured into himself to develop himself so that he could pour into others. That's it. Yeah. And I want, I want all the travels. I want all the cool travels. And so I know all the places that I went to. I want a lot of pictures of my wife in there because she's beautiful. She's way cooler than I am. And yeah, man, I just want people to know that he served. You get brownie points at the end there when she listens. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? People have told me that before when I talk about her on a podcast, but it's, it's like, I'm not trying to score points. It just comes out of me. Like the way that I talk about Jesus just comes out of me. Nice. Talking about my wife comes out of me. Cause she's, I mean, she's my much, much better half for sure. Mm, I love it, man. 
where can people find you, connect with you and learn more about who you are and buy your book? Yeah, yeah. So book is anywhere books live, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, my website, davidnurse.com. The book is Pivot and Go. Uh, social media, David Nurse NBA, Instagram, Twitter, all that. Uh, I do a Be the Breakthrough. This is a like an in-depth, You, I help people find their personal breakthrough, kind of like I did in my own life. And we tool them with these mindset tools. So that is just reaching out to me personal, personally, because I like to be very personal about that. Um, but yeah, my podcast, Pivot and Go podcast, or come out here to LA and kick it. Love it, dude. David Nurse, thank you so much, man, for everything that you're doing, your story, and for coming on the Storybox podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. You're, you're an awesome, awesome human being. I, I love what you're doing for so many people, the positive influence you are, the influence of Jesus you are. So keep it up, brother. Proud of you. I don't like this part because it means, sadly, we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.